Hey, it's Zach Neal. So I've had a crazy week in my personal life, really nothing to do with business, but I wanted to talk about it a little bit and share my experience and hopefully can help you guys if you're going through some hard times in your personal lives or even in your business right now. So I've had this crazy um, couple weeks and I haven't been podcasting that much because I've been really, really busy um, with business and some stuff in my personal life, which more I want to talk about that. But in business, um, some really great things happening. And that's, you know, the biggest part of why I haven't been podcasting as much and why I haven't been, you know, that active on socials and all that stuff. Because remember, I'm still just one person. I have a small team at my company, but I don't have anybody handling my media for me. It's not, you know, I'm not at that level or, and I don't want to be at that level. I want to always personalize my own things. But, um, I signed a book deal with, uh, Cordo publishing and I'm writing a book and I'm on deadline and my book is overdue on deadline. And so I haven't announced that really, I guess this is my kind of public announcement. I haven't talked about too much about it, but I'm writing a book and I also signed my team and I signed a production company. We signed with a production company, a contract to, make a television show, reality television show about what we do, going around the country opening businesses and bars and restaurants and different things. And so we've been working on that. And I've got a new location of Beetle House opening in, in two cities. And I've got a new nightclub and bar experience opening in Glendale, California. And I've got my media company, Now That's Gold, uh, Now That's Gold News, launched and creating content with 18 content creators around the country. And so to say that I'm busy is an understatement. But in and around all of that, the most important job in my life and the thing that I want to talk about today, which is how our personal lives and who we really are go into our business and creative lives, and is I'm a father. I'm a father to two beautiful, amazing daughters, the best thing that has ever happened to me, and my number one favorite job uh, is being a father to them. And so being a father means, you know, putting those two girls first above and beyond anything else in my life above any other people or interests or business or money or anything else those those little girls come first for me anyway and I think that's the way it should be for all parents and I think it is for the most part that's the way it 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 is um and maybe more so with moms than dads because you know a lot of men uh I even know some men that don't seem to have too much of a problem being deadbeat dads or being away from their kids or forgetting them or not going around them. But for me, that's just not an option. I can't go more than a few days without being with my girls. And um, if that means getting on airplanes and taking flights from across the country to pop in and spend a day or two, then then that's what I do. But, uh, you know, I like to see my kids every minute of every day if possible. And that I mean, that's not realistic working. So I like to be with them multiple days a week. And I do a lot of traveling to make that happen. I am constantly in a car, a train, a plane, uh, to make sure that I am getting plenty of time with my girls. So anyway, I had something happen to me this week that rocked my foundation as a human being when my oldest daughter um, 
came down sick and ended up being hospitalized because of it. And uh, what it did to me and the perspective that it's given me, not perspective that I didn't have before, but perspective that I have again, is awesome. And I wanted to share it. So that's what I'm going to be talking about. And this is going to be short. Um, You know, we're not going to go 40 minutes on this. But uh, I definitely think that what I have to say on this topic is valuable. Even if you don't have kids, it's valuable to anybody who is juggling a life of trying to put a career in motion while also having family or obligations or personal obligations and a personal life. This is definitely something that you need to hear. And I think it can be beneficial to you. So I'm going to talk about that uh, right now. My oldest daughter got sick about a week ago. Normal kid stuff. I was away in Texas, uh, in Dallas, working on a new uh, place that I'm opening there, doing some property hunting, and I was just out of town for a couple days. I left last Monday, and I got a call on Tuesday that my daughter was feeling a little under the weather and was going to go to the doctor. Like I said, typical kid stuff. You know, sore throat, low fever, nothing crazy. But being a parent, if you're a parent, you can relate to this, and if you're not, you probably can't, but... Um, when your kids get sick, it's in anything, anything's wrong with your kids, any type of disturbance, it's, it's unnerving. It's really like you can't sleep, you can't rest your mind, you're, you're worried constantly, you're always just very protective and it's just, you know, parental instinct, I guess. And before I had kids, I would try to relate to people who had kids and I thought that I was like, oh, I'm, you know, the same way I worry about my dogs or the same way I worry about my friends or my girlfriend or whatever, but it's not, it's not that. Becoming a parent is a t- totally different ball game, and um, anyway, so I felt a little worried about it. Like I, I get worried about everything. I'm a definitely a worrying kind of dad. You know, they get a cold, I'm like worried. I'm very proactive. So they go to the doctor. My daughter goes to the doctor, and um, long story short, the doctor looks at her throat and says it's very red, and she's going to treat for strep. I don't agree with this. I right out of the gate, I'm protesting. I don't, I don't think you should be doing this because. I don't believe she has strep throat. My daughter has had strep throat in the past. She reacts a very specific way to strep, and this was not that. Also, she hasn't been around anyone who has strep. That's not going around her school or her friends. What has gone around is the flu. So right away, I'm saying she has the flu. She had H1N1 a few years ago. It presented with a sore throat and a fever and like general lethargy. That's exactly how this started. And so I thought, this is the flu. That's Why would it be strep? And so... She said, well, the doctor looked at her throat and it looked very red and she just thought strep. So she did a rapid results strep test, which came back negative. So that's strike two for the moron pediatrician who will, I'm going to get into that later. I'm going to talk a whole bunch of shit about this pediatrician. But in the meantime, I'm going to wrap up the, the details here. Rapid results strep test comes back negative. She still treats it for strep and says, I still think it's strep. Sometimes those come back negative. So I'm going to start a course of antibiotics. She starts her on azithromycin which is very, very hard on your stomach antibiotic. And she sends her home. So I'm in Texas and I'm protesting and I'm saying this is not the right thing. So um, long story short, I'm only in Texas a few days. I get home. My daughter has not improved at all. As a matter of fact, she's gotten worse. Her fevers have gotten higher. Her sore throat is still there, but now it's turning into a a wicked cough. Um, She's very tired and lethargic. She's not herself. So I call the pediatrician and I said, hey, this is not strep throat. Just like I told you the other day, this is not strep throat. And I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I'm her dad. And I have enough common sense to know that if she's been around people who have the flu in the middle of flu season, it's probably the flu and not strep, but whatever. The rapid results test coming back negative for strep should have been your first clue. But she says, oh, well, you're right. 
you're right, it's not strep because the lab results, you know, the bigger tests have come back and it's not strep. So I said, okay, well, this antibiotic is also making her very sick. She's Every time she takes it, she's nauseous and has a terribly sick stomach for hours. It's, make, it's adding insult to injury and it's not doing anything. If this is a virus, it's not doing anything. And she says, no, she needs to finish the course of antibiotics. I said, explain to me why she needs to finish the course of antibiotics. Now, this is like a nurse practitioner that I'm talking to. She can't give me a good reason, nothing that makes sense in any logical person's mind. So I said, can I please talk to the doctor? She gets offended by this, but I, I really don't give a fuck if this lady's offended. You know, her, her lack of knowledge or her lack of education is not my fucking problem. So uh, I asked to talk to the doctor. They put the doctor on. The doctor agrees with me. No, she doesn't need to take the antibiotic anymore. It's, it's not doing anything for her. And if it's making her sick, well, we could certainly discontinue the antibiotic. This is a virus. So I say to the doctor... I, I wish that I could be right now putting quotations around the word doctor. But anyway, I said to the doctor, well, you didn't test for influenza. I asked you guys the other day when she was there, to, you should check for flu. And, and you said no, that because you, you're sure it's not the flu. This, this is not the flu. It doesn't, it's not presenting like flu. Okay. So I'm asking you now, can we, can we check her for flu? I said, well, at this point, even if it was the flu, we're, we're out of the range of the Tamiflu. You know, that has to be within the first 48 hours of symptoms. So the treatment would be the same. Push fluids, lots of rest. So this isn't about treatment. I I would like to know what we're dealing with. Are we dealing with a run-of-the-mill virus? Are we dealing with the flu? I'd like to know because it's important. You know, you should know what you're up against. She didn't seem to agree with me that knowing made any kind of difference and just said, treat it as if it were, or, but I don't think this is the flu. Again, so I said, well, what if we brought her in to get swabbed just to check, you know? There's a, a nose swab out there that'll check for a dozen viruses and a bunch of different strains of the flu. This lady was not interested in doing that. Okay. So my daughter progressively gets worse over the next four days. And uh, the fever is high fever, 102, 103 fever, round the clock fever. So we're treating with Motrin and Tylenol alternating. I'm not going to work because I'm, you know, when my kids are sick like that, they come first. It doesn't matter how big the deals are, or what's going on. Everything shuts down and I go be with my kids. When they're sick or when they need me, that's my job. You know, as a father, I believe that being a father comes with a set of responsibilities. And that set of responsibilities, in my mind, this is just, you know, you can believe your own way. But for me, I know what a mother does or what my expectation of a mother is. But for me, being a father, it's my job to provide protect and preserve those are the three the three p's of being a father and then and around that love and nurture and care for and there's so many other things but the basic things is provide protect and preserve and so that is what i do i provide a lifestyle for them everything that they need i protect them from anything around them that could be harmful and that's also preventative protection it's things like this making sure that the idiot doctor is treating them properly and not giving them the wrong medication and preserving them, nurturing them, making sure that they're okay, making sure that they make it to become adults, that we don't lose them as kids. So I go home and I take care of my kids. I go to where they're at and I stay with them and I make sure that they're okay. So I'm out of work about a week. And in the meantime, we're getting huge snowstorms in the Northeast. We've got nor'easters back to back. So in the middle of this, we get 22 inches of snow and the power goes out. The power's out for five days. We have to get a generator. It has to be filled with gasoline. Every hour I'm going out to fill this thing up with gas and make sure that it's running and keeping because we have to keep the house warm we got especially got a sick kid refrigerator's got to work hot water has to work power has to work you have to have and then they can't get bored so you got to have tv you got to have all these things that 
And this is a full-time fucking job. Imagine being 18 miles up into the woods, which is basically where they live. 18 miles up a mountain on a, you know, on a, a ranch, basically. Like a horse ranch, a modern horse ranch. Like a mini farm, minus the animals. We don't keep animals. <laughs> Just a couple dogs. But this is uh, this is what I'm dealing with. And, and I'm up in the wilderness here trying to keep a house functional. 22 inches of snow. The roads are closed. We're in a state of emergency. But this is where I'm at. And no place I'd rather be. My kid is sick. I'm there. So, long story short, to wrap up and get to the, the guts of this. It turns out that she finally starts to get better. It starts to break a couple days ago here on this this Monday. She's starting to feel better. By Tuesday, she no longer has fever. She's back to her normal self. We think it's over. Later in the day, she starts to say that her legs are hurting, both of her calves. Violet's a very active kid. She's in gymnastics. She's in all kinds of... She's very, very active. She's in totally athletic, jumping around the house, cartwheels, backbends, handsprings. She's always jumping, doing something. So it wouldn't be uncommon for her to have some sore muscles. But in this case... She's saying some things that are triggering for me. You know, it hurts for me to walk both legs at the same time in the calves. She hasn't done anything active because she's been resting for days. Later that night, she comes down with a fever again in the middle of the night. 103 fever is back, higher than it has been yet. And she says she can't walk. Her legs hurt so bad. So that right off to the emergency room we go. Guess what? She had the flu. Um, another doctor, another idiot doctor tried to tell me it was mono, but we finally got it once we got admitted into the hospital and had her swabbed because that's what I want. She had influenza B, which caused a secondary viral infection called rhabdomyelosis. Now, myelosis, there's viral myelosis, which is basically an infection that causes uh, your muscles to deteriorate. And this rhabdomyelosis is a bad boy because it causes like, it like, deteriorates it breaks down your actual muscle fibers which is why her calves were hurting and then those fibers get into your bloodstream and they're too big for your kidneys to filter so they get plugged up in your kidneys and they can cause permanent kidney damage they can actually cause kidney failure and it can kill you so this is a life-threatening situation now that we're in um and we're admitted to the er at 1 30 in the morning uh, two nights ago as we're starting our second nor'easter so now we're admitted to the hospital. They don't have a pediatric unit at this hospital, not specifically. So I'm dealing with just, you know, emergency room doctors, but they tell me they ran some blood work and, and we're being admitted. Now I'm in, you know, I haven't slept. I had actually gone into work. It was the first day I'd gone into work in a week. I went into my office, I went to New York City, and um, which is about an hour away from, you know, from there. And uh, I went in and I came back that night because I knew that we were getting a snowstorm and I didn't want them to be, you know, locked up in a snowstorm and, you know, want to take care of the house and things. So, um, I had gone back home and, um, I, you know, I was taking care of things. And, uh, so I had never gone to bed. I didn't get home until probably 11 o'clock at night and the kids were already sleeping. And so, um, I'd never slept. So I'm, you know, by the time we were going to the emergency room, it's one o'clock in the morning and now it's one thirty. we're being admitted and I'm, I'm in yesterday's clothes I haven't slept. I'm just, you know, living the dream here, finding out that we're being admitted. And I'm not really sure how serious this is, but the doctor starts saying some things that are triggering for me. And we're also, this storm had started. The storm was starting on, you know, Tuesday night and going all through Wednesday for another foot of snow, a nor'easter, you know, big power outages, got all the normal stuff expected. So I'm like, we're being admitted. My other daughter is not here. 
their mother is not here. They're going to want to be here. They're not going to be able to get anywhere because of the storm. So I'm going to have to drive 45 miles and go pick them up and, uh, and bring them back to the hospital, which means I'm going to have to leave my daughter alone, Violet alone at the hospital and get a nurse to see if the nurse can sit with her while I go. And then it's already snowing. There's already four inches of snow on the ground. The roads are bad. So it was just a very, very hectic and stressful situation. And above and beyond the logistics of it, it started to set in with me as I started taking that drive in the snow to pick up, um, you know, my family and bring them in to be with my daughter. It started to hit me the reality of what was happening. And I started doing the mistake, which is Googling rhabdomyelosis and, you know, the Google researches on this, uh, the Google results on this are, they're not friendly. They're not user friendly. They're like kidney failure, death, you know, bad, 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 bad. So I start to become afraid and I'm not, I'm not a very fearful person and I start to become afraid and I start to become panicked and I start to have an anxiety attack while I'm driving and I start to become overwhelmed with emotion. I start to feel outside of my body overwhelmed with that kind of emotion where I'm just like, oh my God, how is this possible? Just, you know, we had put up an Instagram video, her and I, when we got into the hospital and we were like teasing each other and kidding around and we're, you know, good spirits and all of a sudden I'm seeing them hooking tubes and hoses and wires and IVs and, and you know, echocardiogram or, or I'm sorry, EKG wires and all these different things up to her. And I'm, you know, my daughter's never been hospitalized. She's never had blood taken. She's never been on an IV or anything like that. She's always been very, very healthy. You know, my kids eat a fully organic vegetarian and now vegan diet. They're very active. They were completely chemical free you know, very low sugar. I mean, we're just, you know, we, those kids eat as good as any human being can eat. We're very big on diet and exercise and they're active and healthy and they don't, they very rarely even get sick. And so even her being sick was kind of a fluky thing. So I'm just overwhelmed by seeing all this and really emotional and trying to keep it together because you can't, I can't let her see that, but you know, I love these kids more than anything in the world. They are my entire life. They are the, you know, the focus point of my existence. I love being a father more than anything else in the world that I do being their dad is, is, you know, my pride and joy. So it's like when the number one thing in your life that means the most to you was threatened, everything else pales by comparison. This moment of reflection, I want you to picture it for a second. I'm driving in a car. It's about 5.30 in the morning. The sun is just starting to maybe come up. It's getting a little bit lighter out. It's snowing really hard. So visibility driving, if you've ever driven in a snowstorm, it's one of those where it's like the giant snowflakes and they're coming down really hard and fast and you can barely see more than a few feet in front of your car. Everything is covered. The roads are covered. It's just a whiteout. And I've got to drive fast. I've got to drive, you know, 60, 70 miles an hour. I can't go slow because I have a very short window because they tell me that my daughter has to be transferred to a hospital that's 45 miles away by ambulance because they want to get her to a place that has a specific um, pediatric unit, which they don't have at this hospital. And the ambulance has to come before the bulk of the bad weather gets here. So it's like a it's like a plot from a fucking movie. Like, oh, the storm is coming in. They can only make it at a certain time. So I have to be, I have to make a trip that is going to take me 30 minutes with, with regular weather. It would take me 30 minutes each way to get there with no bad roads or anything. And now it's snowing like crazy, and I've got an hour and 20 minutes to make this round trip trip, which means I've got to basically drive like I normally would. I've got to 
go on, you know, fast. So I'm driving 70 miles an hour on the highway, fingers crossed. I've got an all-wheel drive Mercedes. It's a cool car. You know, I'm not like a big car guy, but the all-wheel drive is, is pretty badass and helps with traction. So you definitely, uh, you know, you don't slip with this car, but you're still driving 70 on snowy roads. That's pretty dangerous. So this is what I'm doing. So picture this. I'm driving in the car. It's like a blizzard out. It's The sun is just starting to peak up a little bit. It's starting to get light outside coming up in the early, early morning hours. I haven't slept in 24 hours at this point. I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders because the thing that's, you know, one of the most important things in my life, one of my two children is in jeopardy. And I'm being told for the first time ever as a parent that it might be something that's actually threatening her life and her well-being. I'm losing my fucking mind. I'm driving here. And all of a sudden, everything becomes really clear to me. I have this thought rush over me. Well, the worst case scenario with this rhabdomyelosis is kidney damage or kidney failure. I'm her dad. I'm probably a match for a kidney. So if anything were to happen to her kidney, they could just take mine. I'll be right there. Let's hope that it, you know, is a match. But I'm already like... I am 10 steps ahead of where I should be, you know, because I don't have all the information on this. So I'm just in panic mode. And I'm like, well, it's not even a question. She can have my kidney. But what if what if she needs two kidneys? Well, you only need one to live. But what if she can have both of them. But then what would I do? Well, fuck me. I don't care about me. I'll give them both my kidneys. Well, what if they won't let you give both your kidneys? Well, then I'll fucking cut my wrist in the bathroom and, you know, tell them, give her both my kidneys, whatever. I'm just at that point where I'm already immediately ready to self-sacrifice. I'm like, stick a pistol in my mouth and give her give her my organs whatever I got to do to make sure that kid's okay that's what I'm gonna do trying to get myself you know completely mentally prepared for everything and every possible scenario that could await me when I get back to this hospital that I will be the one to make sure that everything's okay because that's my job I'm their dad it's my job to protect them preserve them provide for them my fucking job and I'm going to do it like I do any other job. And so I realized in that moment that nothing else going on in my life means shit to me at this point. The television show, the book deal, the restaurants, the bars, the media, the podcasting, none of it. None of it matters shit to me because the first thing on my mind is how do I get an organ out of my body into her body if she needs it? How do I preserve, protect, and provide for my daughter and everything else can be fucked? I don't care. I'm not checking email. I'm not returning anybody's phone calls. I got my chef, one of my chefs in California, call texting me saying it's a fucking emergency. Call me right away. And I'm like, dude, I don't give two shits what your emergency is. Love you, man, but I don't fucking care. I don't care if the place is on fire. I don't care if you're closing down. I don't care if everyone on the staff is quitting. I care about nothing right now other than this and nothing else is important to me and that instant perspective reminded me of how important how important it is to keep perspective on the things that really matter to you and the things that are really important and this is not this does not have to be specified to being a parent and having children this is a full life uh balance so i want to talk some shit about the pediatrician i want to get on the reel about that fucking idiot and i want to talk about how this affects our lives and our businesses as I wrap up here. So the moral of the story, it's uh, Thursday night and we're still in the hospital. I'm actually heading back to the hospital. I was able to get out for a couple hours and go take care of some things at home and, you know, take a few hours nap, get a little bit of sleep, had some family around my daughter to hang out with her during the afternoon so that I could go be an adult person for a few hours. And, um, 
the moral of the story is this what this realized what this made me realize what other people should pay attention to is that keep focus and keep perspective on the things in your life that matter the most your career is great and if you're really passionate like i am i don't think there's anybody that's more passionate about their career than i am i am so fucking passionate about what i do and my business and my career and my team and i mean i live it and i breathe it i work constant relentless hours and i even take the time to fucking podcast about it and i live this shit but when it when faced with the reality of what's more important the well-being of my daughter's or all of this, and it was like, it wasn't even a close second. It wasn't even like a thought. It was like, yeah, fuck everything. I just want my kids to be okay. And sometimes all of us are guilty of getting caught up in the trivial shit in life, right? The, uh, you know, the jobs and the work and the drama and money and problems and all these things, and we lose focus on paying attention to the things that really matter to us during times when we're not in crisis, meaning that you know, where's all that passion and that ambition towards the people and things that are important to us when they're not sick, when they're not dying, when we haven't lost them, when it's not an emergency to remember to call the people that you love and tell them that to remember to make time for the people that you care about. And I'm not saying that I don't because I absolutely do. I make time every week for my daughters. Like I said, I travel far and wide. I'm on trains, planes and automobiles constantly to make sure that I spend lots of time with them. But the point is, is that it's more than just one or two people. There's lots of things in our life that matter and it shouldn't take a tragedy or, or a tragic event to remind us what's really important to us and what matters. And I would hope that, you know, this experience and me sharing this maybe for you can remind you if there's somebody in your life or something in your life that matters to you, that's important, that you love, it's a healthy part of a balanced life to make sure that you're seeing to those people and those things. Let them know that you love them, hold them close don't wait until there's a disaster or a tragedy to carve out time to be with those people. Take a few hours a day, a few hours a week, whatever you can afford to do and spend time with those people around you that matter to you. You know, it's the rat race of America. It's the institutional, uh, you know, mindset of the nine to five or even the nine to nine or the endless grind and the work and the winning and fucking money and bank accounts and all that shit. No, I'm about all that shit. So I'm kind of talking a little shit about myself, but the reality is this institution that we've created, if you want to be a misfit, that's what I am. I'm a misfit of my own industry. I've, I've made my own industry. If you want to be a misfit, then don't do, don't do the expectation. Don't do the normal thing. Be, you know, be a part of that change where instead of working yourself to death, take the time to be a person. Take three hours a day and spend it with some people that you love, especially if you're in business for yourself. Being your own boss should at very least afford you that luxury. I am afforded the luxury of being able to take off any time that I want to or any time that I need to. Like my daughter's sick. I'm not going to the office. Who's going to fire me? I'm my own boss. You know, that's a beautiful thing. So as far as that pediatrician, I want to end on this shit talking note. This pediatrician is a fucking moron. She misdiagnosed my daughter with strep throat, treated her for strep when she had the flu, didn't test for flu when I asked her to, when I, I knew it was the flu, didn't test, even later became combative and argumentative when I said, I'm pretty sure it's the flu, got my daughter's nose swabbed in the hospital, guess what, it's the fucking flu. And had she immediately diagnosed this, we would have gotten Tamiflu, she would have been better by Friday or Saturday of last week, she would have never gotten the secondary infection, we wouldn't be in the hospital facing a possible life-threatening ailment 
because of this fucking pediatrician. So if you know me or think you know me, the one thing you should definitely know is with this kind of shit, I don't let it go. So we have definitely not heard the end of the absolute shitstorm I'm going to bring on this pediatrician on the internet, online. I'm going to start a fucking campaign. I'm going to be looking for other parents who have had bad diagnosis from this lady. I'm going to fuck her up like an accident. Anyway, that's it. That's my rant wanted to share. Thank you guys for listening at the real Zach Neal on all social media. Take care.